Matt setting it up. I want to read Psalm 16, verse 1 through 3. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I take my refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my God. I have nothing good besides thee. All my goodness and good gifts comes from thee. And to the saints on earth, the excellent ones in, ho in whom is all my delight. Amen. You know, it's such a, a true statement that there is a sure anchor called God. What a joy. And I wonder how people make it without God. You know, when the storms hit, when the troubles hit, they're, they're on sinking sand, uh, sinking ground. And so, and also the saints, you know. I take pleasure in the saints of God, just the company of them. What a delight, as the psalmist said, to have a group of people who are after God's own heart. Amen? Today my message is on the topic called Hebrews. You might wonder what's that all about. But you'll get, to get, it, get that in a second, what it means. You know, when God uh, delivered Israelites from Egypt, he said, I'm going to set apart a nation, a holy nation, that would be proclaiming my excellencies throughout the world. Until then, the whole world, the, 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 the element called faith was not existing. All right? Man, Adam and Eve sinned, fell away from divine consciousness. Man started to operate like animals, really. They started to do all sorts of uh, erroneous deeds and fell away from God. And then God restores the first man back to divine consciousness. Do you know who that is? Anybody? He, Abraham. It was Abraham, the first uh, Hebrew that we see in the scriptures. Let me try this one more time to show, bring it up to the screen. And then, hopefully it'll work this time. If not, you just have to listen. Okay, I think we might have to do it without the PowerPoint, but I have the PowerPoint here. So, keynote. You know, when this year started, 2019, when this uh, 2019 began, God gave me two prophecies. The first one he told me, year 2019 is a year of war. Everybody say war. And at the second time, he told me, it's not really a season of war, but it's a season of overflowing grace. No matter what the enemy throws against you, the overflowing grace is going to overcome, and we are going to be triumphant. This is not something that we can do on our own. An overflowing grace of God overpowering, no matter what the enemy throws against the saints this year. Year of war, 
but at the same time, an ear of overpowering grace, overcoming grace, overflowing grace. This year, you have to fight the good fight of faith and reclaim what belongs to you. Because this year, there's a lot up for grabs. But it's not going to come easy. You're going to fight and get what belongs to you. If you're looking for a fight-free spiritual life, it ain't going to happen. We can either withdraw back into the cave and be a monk or fight the fight and possess what belongs to you. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a year of war, 2019. But it's a good year of war, meaning we are going to win this year. Because why? Of his overpowering, overflowing grace. Not because I have spiritual muscle or this or that, but his grace would overflow over everything that the enemy tries to throw against us. Hallelujah. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Apostle Paul says, I entrust to you this command, which is in accordance with the words of prophecy spoken in the past about you. Use these words of prophecy as weapons in order to fight the good fight. Every one of us sitting here have gotten several words of prophecy, and Apostle Paul was telling Timothy, use these words of prophecies as weapons in order to fight the good fight. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Use the words as weapons in order to fight the good fight. There is a waging a war involved. You know, Pamela the other day was telling, about, uh, telling us about even Proverbs 31. She was saying, that is a good revelation, which I didn't think of. When Proverbs 31 is a warfare woman. It is, a, it is not just a, a diligent uh, woman who is industrious, but is really talking about a warfare kind of woman. She is not sitting idle. She gets up, takes a sword in the spirit, and does what needs to be done for her and her household. So this year is a year of war, and you're going to come out with great spoils. You know, the enemy tried to stop me today from coming. I said, though he slay me, I will trust in him. I, this, this is nothing. Is, this is, none of these temptations are new to me. I've gone through hell and high water. I'm standing here. I, I'm 39 years old. I'm standing here strong in the Lord. From a very young age, the enemy tried to wipe me out. He couldn't. I told my dad uh, a few months ago, Dad, if, I were, if, I, if he were to kill me, he should have done it a long time ago. I'm now past all that. He, he can't touch me now. You know, from a very young age, from even from my birth, the enemy wanted to wipe me out, even at my birth. My mom went through a heavy complication giving birth. Either it would have taken her life or my life, but God spared us both. Amen. And so one after the other, he attacked me from my childhood. And at the age of 21, even he actually, I didn't know the Lord until I was 23, actually. I came to the United States at 21. At the age of 23, I, I was born again. The enemy thought he could keep me out of salvation. Didn't work. <laughs> at the age of 23, I came to the Lord, got baptized by water and by fire. And I'm standing here. And after I got saved, for the last 15 years, the enemy threw almost everything against me. 
I thought I was almost gone, honestly. But the Lord kept over and over showed me, I got you. I got you by my right hand. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's my testimony. You know, over the years, I've killed many lions and bears, just like David. And now he's trained me how to fight Goliath. And he's kept on, he's keeping on fine-tuning on how to fight the Goliath. He just kept, he shows me, as the psalmist says, he teacheth my hands to fight and trains my fingers for war. Hallelujah. This is the testimony of the saints across the world. All that we go through is to train us to fine-tune us, to make us warriors, to wage the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. So as in First Timothy, you see the second part, it says, use those words as weapons in order to fight the good fight. So the, my topic today is Abraham, uh, the first Hebrew. The word Hebrew, the reason why I bring this uh, topic today is because I taught you all about a few uh, years ago, or maybe a year ago, about being a Jew and being an Israelite. And I told you all I'll come and talk to you about what it means to be a Hebrew. Abraham was called the first Hebrew. And Abraham was from the place called Chaldees. He was, he was a, geographically, he was a Chaldean. Chaldean. And, uh, but God did not call him a Chaldean. God called him a, what? A Hebrew. God called him a Hebrew because of his experience. So in the heavenlies, you are not known for whether you're from Mississippi or Tennessee or wherever you are. You are known by what you've gone through. It's your experience that qualifies you to be a Hebrew. Amen, somebody. The term Hebrew comes from the Greek word evriet. In other words, it means the one who has passed over, one who has passed over. You know the Hebrews crossed the Red Sea when the enemies were pursuing them. And Abraham also, even before that, what? He had the experience of passing over. God uses terminology very cautiously in the scriptures because every term that God uses has a meaning to it. It's not just a geographic name or a person's random name. It's a terminology that God uses is a depiction of experience. Experience. What you've gone through and what you're going through. So when we see the term Hebrew, it's really referring to their experience. Ones who, one who has passed over or crossed over from death to life. Hallelujah. So God called Abraham a Hebrew, the first Hebrew, because of his experience. It had everything to do with what Abraham had already been through and what he was going through and also what he will go through. There was something in Abraham's life that preserved him from danger. We see over and over again, it wasn't Abraham's ability, but from the time God called him, there was something in his life that preserved him from great danger. Somehow he will rebound back up and up and up and up again. Hmm. 
Thank you, Jesus. So it is the experience that we undergo that makes us qualify or being ready to be called a Hebrew, the ones who have passed over. Come on, say, I'm a Hebrew. Yes, you're a Hebrew. And today, some of you sitting here has not gone through this experience or the anointing. And, and towards the end, I want to welcome you to this, to come into the, this, co- this covenant relationship with God that qualifies you to be a Hebrew. So not because of national identity, not because of geographic location, but because of the Hebrew anointing upon your life, you become a Hebrew. Abraham was the first Hebrew, and everyone after that, all those who are born of faith, are becomes a real spiritual Hebrew. Hallelujah. So I want to today talk about five distinguishable traits of Hebrew and help you grab some of these blessings so that you can be under the shadow of God's wings to dwell in the secret place. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right side, but nothing will come nigh you. There's a power. Christianity is not a feel-good religion or Bible is not a good book that I leave at my coffee table for decoration. This is about experiential reality of life. God's power working for me and through me and to me. Hallelujah. As Apostle Paul said, the gospel is the power of God. The power of God. It is not just a hearsay. It is not just a feel-good message. It is the power of God for all of us who believe. Power of God unto salvation. So the five distinguishable traits of a Hebrew, number one, the power to escape. Everybody say the power to escape. I'm going to look at that first. The power to escape. You know, the, one, of the big, one of the distinguishable traits of a Hebrew is no matter what jam he or she gets in, heaven has a tendency to get them out. He always makes a way of escape. The world might think, how on earth did this person just come out of this? (laughs) That's the God we serve. Come on, someone shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got some Hebrews in this church. And I was, as I was preparing for this, the Lord reminded, the Lord assured me a Hebrew sitting right here, Miss Susan Nash and her husband, Clay Nash. Hebrews, true Hebrews, they've gone through a lot. They're still here. They crossed over. And they're leading this church now. Because why? It's not that they are educationally qualified for this. Their experience qualifies them for this level of anointing. They have escaped. Don't you agree, Susan? They've escaped so many situations. I've escaped so many situations. My household has escaped. When we thought it's all over. We escaped death. We escaped danger. We, we escape termination. And we are here. So a true Hebrew always has a power to escape. The heaven makes a way of escape. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let me grab that mic. I think there's an echo on this. The yellow mic. Is there an echo? So 1 Corinthians 10, 13 
It says, no trial or test has overtaken you that is not faced by others. God is faithful. He will not let you be tried beyond what you're able to bear. But with the trial and test, he will also make a way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. Hmm. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Come on, everyone say, God is faithful. Yes, Lord. God, you're faithful. He's just. With the trial or test, he also makes a way of escape. There's an escape route for the people of God. Not for the world, unfortunately. Since they are not in the covenant, they usually get hit by the calamity. But for the people of God, there is a way of escape that God makes. Hallelujah. No matter what jam you get yourself into, the heaven will get you out. That's the bona fide anointing that belongs to the people of God, to the true Hebrews. As I mentioned, you know, I've seen a lot in the last... I've seen a lot before coming to Christ, but after coming to the Lord, it, you know, I faced a lot of fire. I was telling a few of my friends about, um, at my work a few years ago, I was so close to getting terminated at work. And some people conspired against me. I didn't even know. God wouldn't even let me know that because he didn't want my, my heart to be troubled. But there was conspiracy going on behind me. But he wouldn't let me know because he wanted me to focus on what? My assignment. He wanted me to focus on the kingdom. But at the right time, he revealed it to me a month before they were about to make some steps against me. They wrote some stuff against me and all that. And then God said, you just watch. He revealed it to me just a month before this. He said, now you watch what I'm going to do. And he said, he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. Touch not the anointed, do no harm to the prophet. And uh, as soon as he revealed to me, I went into a warfare mode after that. Meaning, not, a, not in physical realm, went into my prayer closet. Total war. My enemies, could, my enemies were all confused. They didn't know what I, but I was quiet in the outside. I mean, I was at the office. I was very quiet, calm. But in the spirit realm, me and my prayer partners, we were wrecking havoc. And these worldly people have no way of fighting that. Once God's angels are dispatched, his fire is moving, they can't do nothing. And the same people who just tried to terminate me bowed down before me. And in front of them, I was promoted. Hallelujah. And I can tell you, so, but I, let me tell you this. And during that tri- tough times, there was times when I almost sank. I said, God, I want to I weigh out. I don't want to be here. God said, no, I want you to be here. And I want to set a, prepare a table for you in the presence of my enemies. I, hallelujah, I wanted a way out because I could, my flesh couldn't handle the pressure. But God said, no, I'm going to keep you here and prepare a table for you in the presence of my enemies. And there was just like Jonah in the whale for me many times. I said, Lord, this is too much. I can't handle it. God said, no, no temptation, no test has overtaken you such as is not common to others. Through this, I'll make a way of escape, he said. He kept me in there, though I was kicking and screaming. <laughs> but he did it. And my, my, my enemies were just, I don't know, they had no words. They were like, what, who is this man? <laughs> 
And similarly, not only at work, I went through many life-threatening situations to my physical body and to my children, to my, I don't know, my finances. But the Lord always got me out. There is always a way of escape. And I can testify to that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands. Just praise God. Because I know he's given you ways of escape. The, so the, one of the distinguishable traits of a Hebrew is there's power to escape. What we should do as people of God is don't abort it. Just stay the course. Many times we just try to use the arm of our flesh and try to do some things in our flesh. Don't do that. Quiet yourself. Be quiet and find. He'll show you the way of escape. But you got to be calm. Be calm during times of adversities. Don't do anything. Don't yank it out and cause any trouble to yourself. It's very important to be still and know that he is God. That's where the work of God is going to come forth. Okay? You got to learn to be still. Another, when I was going through a lot of pressures, the Lord said, uh, submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. Be still. And at due time, I will exalt you, he said. This is a tough process for Americans. Just to be quiet and submit under the mighty hand of God. Many Christians are not where they are because they aborted the process of surrendering or not surrendering, like being still. You want results now? Sometimes it might not happen. You might have to go through months before. But you can do one thing, keep praying, keep pushing until the results come. Hallelujah. And people who go through those processes, they come out glorifying, victorious. It's beautiful. Not only just victorious, they go to another level of anointing. Hallelujah. The more sacrifice, the more pain you've gone through in your spiritual life, the more the level of anointing in your life. If you see an anointed powerful vessel, it's because they have gone through a lot. Their life is a living sacrifice unto God. They've gone through stuff. Hallelujah. So God will make a way of escape. I'm a Hebrew because of what I've been through in my life. Things that seemingly I thought had me, when I thought it was all over, several times I was able to escape them over and over and over again. And so with my same with my wife and kids. And, but again, the power of God is what helps us. This is not something that I logically plan out and escape. The only reason I still have my sanity is because heaven opens a way of escape. <laughs> Every time I thought it's over, it's not. When the caterpillar thought it was over, it became what? A butterfly. Thank you, Jesus. Just go to another level. Number two, the next distinguishable trait of a Hebrew is vision. Everyone say vision. Every time God wants to do something significant on earth, he gives people, when I say he, he or she, a vision, a dream. Amos 3, 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. The next 12 months, for many of you, God is going to show you a lot of dreams and visions in the nighttime while you're sleeping. But he's going to reveal a lot of things of, for you personally for, and corporately. 
He's done this for me over the years. He'll show me in the night times what's going to come, what is about to happen. So that we can plan accordingly. When there's a plan, when you wake up in the morning so that you can do enough spiritual exercise in the morning. Because when I see certain things where I need to intervene, I need to intervene and do things in the spirit realm. When you see a dream, don't just wake up and reminisce on it and go, no. You have to do the due diligence to exercise spiritual authority to bring all things un- into the obedience of Christ. It's important because God clearly warns sometimes through your dreams, he'll warn you about a danger that should come or about a good thing that should come. Whatever it might be, you got to seal it with the blood of Jesus Christ. If it's an evil thing, plan of the enemy, cancel it, take authority over it. One of my friends were planning to go on an international trip. The night before, he saw a snake in, on his front door. He was dreaming in the night. And the snake... He took a stick, tried to beat the snake. The snake won't die. No matter what he did, he's beating the snake um, uh, in the dream. The snake won't die. He woke up. Next morning, he's getting ready to the, for the international trip. One after the other, problems. He just cannot get to the airport. He saw the dream, but he just saw he didn't do nothing about it. And one after the other starts to break in his life. Like house, that, this. I don't remember all the list he told me. But he, he told me, my, my God showed me a dream that just a few hours before. A snake in front of front, front, front door, but I am not able to seemingly kill it. And what he didn't do was he didn't do anything to, as soon as he, to, what do you call it? To counter or to deal with that dream. I told my friend, my friend, the minute you saw it, you wake up. You take your spiritual weapons and you beat it down to death. You call upon the rod of God that breaks, steals, that breaks stones into pieces. So you can say something, I call upon the rod of God from heaven to shatter every devilish snake and his head. May the blood of the Lamb speak for me. May angels of God on assignment with flaming swords cut down every head of the snake. This is how we decree in the spirit realm. So that what he saw won't manifest in the morning. He didn't know what to do about it. And he said, my, my, my friend Junior hardly made it to the airport. He made it eventually, but he, he, he was almost exhausted. He said. So when the Lord shows you visions and dreams, it's not so that you can think that it's just a random dream. He's speaking to you. You got to do spiritual counter. It's very important. And don't, just let, don't forget some of the dreams either. To the, as soon as you see, wake up. Don't think that oh, in the morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to deal with it. You might forget about it. So, you're going to see visions this year. It's important because a true Hebrew sees visions and then he deals with it. Thank you, Lord. Number three, that's, uh, the third distinguishable trait of a Hebrew is a Hebrew stands alone. Doesn't mean he doesn't have, uh, he has saints all over the earth with him, but there is a he or she, a Hebrew, true Hebrew, has a sure confidence in God. No matter what goes around them, they have a firm faith. It is not based on, I got 15 people supporting me, but they have the sure confidence in God, like David. As if you look at David, he was lonely for most of his 
walk. But he would go into his closet. He would cry out. He would just talk to God. A true Hebrew don't need 15 people or hundreds of people. Yes, though he has plenty of support, he walks with God. Abraham was a man who walked alone with God. David. We all need to develop that relationship of one-on-one confidence in God. You just can't run to everybody for everything. You got to develop a sure confidence in God. Look at Exodus 1.19. The midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptians, they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. <laughs> the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptians. They don't need no midwives. They got the life of God flowing through them. And they give birth before the midwife arrives. They don't need no midwife. Yes, midwives are good. I'm not talking about in the physical realm. This is a spiritual meaning here. A Hebrew has been given an anointing to stand firm in faith. They got vigor or life of God, the abundant life of God flowing through them, letting them move obstacles. And a true Hebrew says, God is my refuge, God is my strength, my God in whom I will trust. A sure confidence in God. You got to learn to, there will be times when there, you can't tell anything to your wife. You, there will be times when you can't tell anything to your husband. There will be times when you can't tell anything to your church. But do you have God whom, with whom you can pour out your heart? Hallelujah. You got to build that endurance level. You got to build that relationship. Deep roots going down with God. Daniel 11 verse 32 says, But the people who knows their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Do you know your God? How confidently rooted are you in your God? How confidently can you do great exploits for God because of your knowledge? Knowledge, when I say not head knowledge, just the intimate, intimate relationship with God. Thank you, Jesus. A Hebrew stands alone. We got several people. There were, there were thousands of people standing there to support Daniel when he was in the lion's den. He was alone. Joseph, <laughs> alone. David, alone. Paul, alone. Jesus, alone. A Hebrew stands alone. He don't need no midwives. He don't trust all midwives either. <laughs> Not all midwives you need in your space. Some of them have got jacked up attitudes, foul mouth, unbelief. Keep them out. You don't need them. If you know your God, trust in him. Trust in the covert of your, his wings. At the same time, yes, you need your close confidence. As I started off, what did I say? The saints in whom are all my delight. The true saints of God will stand with you. You don't need to advertise your problems to everybody. That's a, that's a lie of the devil. You know that? The enemy wants you to advertise and exaggerate your problem. No, 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 no. You need to go to the closet of the Lord. I've gone through many problems. Not even my wife knew about it. You know that? Because I didn't want her to be perplexed. Just kept quiet. And I, well, after I came out of it, I told her what happened. Because I knew she couldn't handle some of the heat that I went through in many areas. I just didn't want my family to be troubled. So I will just go into the presence of the Lord by myself. So the Lord told me several times, teach the church 
not to advertise all their problems out there. Don't bring your laundry out here. With the reason being, not all are your friends. A lot of them are news collectors. They just want to hear news. When are you going to go down? What's going to happen to you? You ain't getting no news from me. Hallelujah. God is my refuge. And God is my strength. My God in whom I will trust. Glory. And so number two, do not exaggerate your problem either. Speak positive stuff. The enemy wants you to look at something and just exaggerate it. Do not. We speak life. We believe in a God who's raised, up, raised us up from death to life. Hallelujah. But always keep your close confidence. Whom you can trust. I have some very good friends here in the church and outside the church. I can pour out my heart to them. I have no issues. I know they are for me. I'm for them. They support my righteous cause. I support their righteous cause. We'll be there. But I ain't going to advertise everything. And neither should you. Share your things with your closest allies. Thank you, Father. Number four. Hebrew cannot be kept in bondage. Jeremiah 34 verse 8, after King Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people in Jerusalem to proclaim liberty, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord that each man should free his Hebrew slaves, both male and female, and no one should hold his fellow Jew in bondage. So all the officials and all the people who entered into this covenant agreed to free their men servants and maid servants who were Hebrews and no longer held them to bondage. If you truly are a Hebrew, the enemy can keep you in bondage for so long. You know, he might have a certain time space for several years when your finances were under bondage, your kids were, or your health was, but eventually it's a decree from the Lord. He, they cannot. The power of God overpowers every bondage. He breaks asunder every captivity and gets his people out. I've seen this over and over again with many saints. Some people thought, oh, they are written off. They are going long-term this, long-term that. No, 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 no. A Hebrew always comes out. A true saint of God comes out. I've seen them eventually victorious. You just cannot keep them in bondage because of the seed of God that's in them. Eventually the seed, even though in the beginning it seems small, it grows and becomes a mighty tree. It explodes out everything that's on the, uh, against its way. Hallelujah. That's a seed of the word of God. And that's what the enemy is trying to fight against. He's against the faith you have, against the seed of God that's in you. All this warfare that you and I are going through is the fight against our faith. There's nothing else. He's throwing all this because you've started the race. And he wants you to stop it and throw the towel. Do not do that. Be silent and know. Be still and know that he is God. Keep on praying though. Keep on pushing. Keep on crying out aloud to God. Men, there is no uh, shame in crying in the presence of God. Pour out your heart. Fall down face. Fall down on your face and pray to God. Let's push until something happens. Amen? A Hebrew cannot be kept in bondage. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, 
Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but everyone say that. The Lord delivers them out of all. Not out of some, but the Lord delivers us out of all that comes against us. This is a, another bona fide privilege of being what? A Hebrew. Hallelujah. He makes a way of escape. He crowns my head with goodness. He delivers me out of all my troubles. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles, the psalmist says. No matter what you do against a Hebrew, you cannot keep him in that bondage. He will snap out of it. They tried to chain Samson several times. They tried this and that and that and this. They couldn't keep him. They finally gouged his eyes. They put him under uh, chains. He still accomplished the mission. Hallelujah. That's the power of the indestructible word of life operating in you and me. The power of resurrection. Raising up, raising us up from death to life. Many a times we thought it was over. But it ain't over, my friends. It's not going to be over. The devil is going to be over. We're going to crush that devil under our feet. Keep holding on to God. Hmm. Hallelujah. Come on, someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. Finally, number five, the fifth distinguishable trait of a Hebrew is that he or she is a warfare man, a warfare woman. They always wage war and they are always triumphant. Genesis chapter 14, verse 14 through 15 says, When Abraham heard that his relative had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men born in his household, and they set out in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abraham, Abraham divided his forces and routed his enemy's army pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. Verse 16 says he retrieved all the goods, as well as his relative lot and his possessions, together with the women and the rest of the people. A Hebrew will always fight. They're made for war. Real Hebrews, you, they're, not, they're not passive people. The fire and spirit of God just makes them a living dunamis. Like a dynamite they are. Hmm. They won't sit still until they recover what belongs to them. They will always fight. See, the Philistines represent the forces of darkness. The enemy is afraid of you. you know, they, they want to keep you from this. They, want, they are afraid of you arming yourself with the word of God. So he tries to always keep you out of this kind of environment. Enemy don't want you in the church because he knows if you get equipped with the word of God, you're going to wage war and win. That's exactly why he's against the church, especially on Sunday mornings, you know. He would have all sorts of excuses to keep you out. He's afraid of you arming yourself with the word. But you need the word to wage war, my friends. 
And not really just some historical word, a fresh word daily, words daily. I need a, I need a uh, daily dosage of a rhema, words, let me say words, multiple times during the day. Rhema, I have to hear from God or else I can't move really. He's got to give me a fresh word from heaven daily and that helps me stand here strong this morning. <laughs> I got already several words this morning. And so... His word is a lamp unto my feet, unto light unto my path. You've got to get a rhema word. You've got to sit in the presence of God and let him talk to you. And then take that word and wage war. Revelation 12 verse 11 says, They triumphed over Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives even when faced with death. A true Hebrew is a triumphant warrior. They are warrior saints. A saint that will fight and remain faithful even unto death. They would praise God throughout. They would, no matter what comes through their way, they trust God. They are having a warrior spirit. They triumphed, the Bible says, they are talking about the saints, over the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. Again, talking about what comes out of your mouth. It can be current. When I say in the name of Jesus, I cut this down. It's a testimony or a declaration. Another word is a declaration. They overcome by the declarations or decrees that goes out of their mouth. Hallelujah. Your acceptance of the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ qualifies you for entering into the Hebrew anointing. So we don't have to wait for a Passover season or a special feast to get this. And that when I were preparing this message in the morning, the Lord said, there are several who need to get into this anointing. Come on, let's rise up on our feet for a second. Let's ask the Lord. Tabitha or Natalie, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just breathe, and I feel the heavy presence of God here. Thank you, Lord. Have your way, Father. Break every yoke. Break every stronghold. Yes, Father. We are your people. Touch not the anointed. Devil, touch not the anointed. Thank you, Lord, for the Hebrews that are in this house. The elders in this house. People who have gone through. People are still here. Thank you, Lord, for Apostle Clay and Susan. Thank you, Lord, for the Hebrews they are. Thank you for the other men and women here, O oh God. Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you allowed us to go through cups of sufferings so that we can be prepared to save this world, O oh God. Hallelujah. As, as Matt Redmond's song goes, Though there is pain in the offering, Blessed be the name of our Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have your way, God. For you are our shepherd. We shall not want. You maketh us to lie down in green pastures. You lead our soul beside still waters. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. His rod and staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. Hallelujah. Come on, just keep praising, guys.